podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. On today's podcast, I'm back with former England Test player Roland Butcher to discuss Test Cricket 2022 England style. That's if we have time. Welcome back, Roland. Thank you, Stephen. Um, it's been a while, but great to be back. Yeah, so much has happened uh, since Grenada back in March when England lost by 10 wickets. We've had a new director of cricket, a new coach, a new captain, four test wins, chasing 270 seems easy. Roots had three tonnes, best oh four tonnes. Uh, let's start with England's chase against India, probably the greatest chase of all. And we chased down... 378. What did you make of that? Yeah, obviously a fantastic performance. Um, you know, if you think how the game started and how it developed, they were very much, you know, behind the eight ball. Um, obviously, India got themselves a good first in his lead. Excellent position in the second innings. Really, India should have nailed the game in the second innings. But I think a bit of over-exuberance and maybe overconfidence um, allowed England back into the game. Um, even saying that, you know, chasing 370-odd, you thought would be a challenge in total um, on the final couple of days of the game. But as it turned out, you know, England got home at a canter. Much to say that, as well as England played, I think the pitch also uh, remained um, a very, very good one. And at the end of the day, it, it proved a very exciting um, test match. Yeah, what did you think of the way... Root and Bess, or the whole England team went about the chase? Well, listen, they didn't really have much choice. Um, you couldn't try to bat out time to try and save the game. And with this new approach that England's supposed to have at this moment in time, one of being very positive and being on the front foot, um, you, you know, they think that the only chance of taking the game deep really was to go on the offensive. Um, they certainly did that and really. The key really was the opening partnership. I think, um, you know, when you get over 100 for the, last, for the first wicket in the final innings of a test match, um, that gives the rest of the batters a lot of confidence. And obviously at the end of the day, you know, it proved as if 450 they would have got also. Yeah, it was the fastest ever England opening 100 stand. Got 100 in 19.5 overs. No, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, um, you know, good to see Alex Lee's um, becoming a little bit more aggressive. You know, I, I saw him in the Caribbean against the West Indies. Um, I commented at the time that I thought England had found himself at last an opening batsman. Um, he was very, very organised, seemed to have plenty of patience. And, you know, while he didn't get big scores in the Caribbean, you know, he looked to me as if he had the makings of being a test player. What has happened so far this summer is that the fact that he stayed in the team, that's given a bit more confidence. And also, you know, he's played with a bit more freedom. So he's now starting to look um, like the opening batsman that England really needed for the last couple of years. And Joe Root, now the world's number one bat ranked batsman, and Johnny Bester, they're in the form of their lives. Absolutely. I mean, jo I mean, Joe Root's form in the last year and a half has been phenomenal. You know, I think he scored like 1100s in the last year. You know, someone like Virat Kohli is the greatest one, a great batsman of all times. He scored 100, scored 11. So 
that tells you the sort of form that Root is in and the hunger that he has for, for scoring runs. The fact that he's lost the captaincy has made no difference whatsoever. If anything, it's probably relieved him of a bit of, of burden. I noticed in the last year or so, even though he was performing well with the bat, you know, if you look at his facial expressions and his demeanour, you can see it was a man carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders. It appears as if that weight has been lifted. And while the team performed well, you know, and the former Johnny Bisto as well has really helped um, Drew Roop, you know, to be more natural and to play his game. And that's good signs for England going forward. Yeah, the two of them, both being from Yorkshire, they they do bat very well together, don't they? They added 269 in that uh, win against India. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, fantastic partnership. I mean, at the start of the day, um, you wouldn't have expected or the start of the innings, nobody would have seen, foreseen that coming. But, you know, Bairstow has been in fantastic form this summer, no doubt about it. I mean, almost four back, about 100. So he's in the form of his life. And with Joe Root coming back to form, um, it was the perfect partnership. You mentioned about Joe Root sort of carrying the world on his shoulders and uh, he after the the West Indies tour and the appointment of Ben Stokes by the England director of cricket, Rob Key, you you were very much in favour of Ben Stokes taking the role. What do you think about and what do you like about his captaincy? Well, for me, um, it's early to, to pass judgment on the quality of Ben Stokes' captaincy. What I would say is that, you know, he deserved the chance because, um, you know, Drew Root really carried it for a long time and really I couldn't see him going any further or making the team any better. Um, it was a question of whether um, Stokes wanted the role. I was of the opinion that he should have been persuaded to take the role because England needed him at that time. And it's more important, really, that England get um, somebody who can really perform as a player and captain um, at this moment in time. So he's taken up the role and really... Everything has gone perfectly well for him. It's not going to be that all the time, I'm sure, because nobody goes through their entire career winning everything. But he's had the perfect start. No question about that. And what qualities has has he? What qualities has he so far brought to the England team? Well, a different style of captaincy from Joe Root. I mean, Joe Root is um, much more serious and and methodical and perhaps old school. I think Ben Stokes is going to be more um, inventive. Similarly to the way he plays his cricket, you know, he's a player who likes to take risk. Um, he's an inventive player, so he's going to be an inventive captain. Um, it's not going to work all the time, but I think at this moment in time, it really is a refreshing change for England, who over the last couple of years really stagnated on the draw route. Not because draw route was a bad captain, but I think, you know, everybody have their sell bite date. I think draw route had done his job as captain, and really it was time for him to step aside and let somebody else have a go. And talking about a refreshing change, we've also got a new England Red Bull coach in Brendan McCullum. From listening to you back on episode 101 on the Paddock and the Pavilion, he seems like a coach you'd approve of. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a coach that's always on the front foot. I mean, if you notice when he was playing, you know, he really, and, and as captain of New Zealand, you know, he brought that approach to the New Zealand side rear they were became much harder to beat. In actual fact, they were the ones putting pressure on the opposition. So I would expect that he would bring that similar um, thinking to the England setup. The question is always going to be is whether the players can carry out um, what the coach wants. 
to date, they have. I mean, they've got top of the years to come. There's no question about that. But I think his approach is going to be one um, of very, you know, very refreshing. The acid test is going to come when England have lost a few matches. Confidence is low. Whether he's able to motivate the players um, still to go out there and be as aggressive as they have been in these test matches so far. I mean, they keep talking about in the newspapers and on the television about this Baz ball, but were you know the Australians of the early 21st century and the West Indians, the famous West Indian sides, were they playing a, a similar style in an aggressive brand of cricket? Listen, to play an aggressive brand of cricket, you must also have the players to do that. You know, anybody can say, "Yeah, let's go and play aggressive," but if your players are not up to par, then that aggressiveness can really turn into recklessness. Um, you know, England, three months ago, everybody was writing them off. Doom and gloom, really, the team was struggling. Um, all of a sudden, they've hit a purple patch. Um, the batsmen are doing well. Um, Anderson and Broad back in the side. They're winning matches. People have forgotten that, you know, two months ago, it was like 17 games played, one, one win. So don't let's get carried away too soon. Let's applaud what they've done so far. The performances have been excellent. Um, you cannot get away from that. There's still a lot of hard work to do. To do. I'm sure Brendan McCullen knows that he's, he's, he's in the honeymoon period right now because everything is rosy. But as you know in life, um, as you settle down, things get a lot more difficult. And you must need the pitches to be able to chase these scores of over 270. Well, they cannot question the pitch because the pitch remained in excellent um, condition for batting. And really that has been the, the case right throughout the summer, not just in international cricket. If you look at most of the pitches and the amount of runs scored by batsmen, um, it really is a summer of run scoring. At county level, you've got people scoring double hundreds on a regular basis, teams getting five, 600. Right, so the basis is there. And the, and the test match pitches have continued um, in that vein. So I think this year really is... Um, a summer of batsmen. I don't think it's going to be anything like the summer of 1947, where I, I know the likes of Dennis Compton, Bill Edridge, and Jack Robertson between them scored over 40 centuries in that season. I don't think it's going to be anything like that, but it's certainly going to be a batting season. You're just recollecting the uh, the golden days of Middlesex cricket there, being an ex-Middlesex player, aren't you? Well, I am, but at the same time, I'm acknowledging three uh, very fine players. And, you know, that record, I mean, how do you beat that record? How do how do you beat three players in the same team, not from different teams, in the same team, scoring over 40 centuries in one season? That is unbelievable. Well, it's good to have a, um, the like of Dennis Compton mentioned on our podcast. Uh, is this the way that Test cricket will continue to be played? The jury's still out. Um, I, I think, as I said before, it's a lot to do with the players you've got, the team, the conditions you're in. You know, if you're if you're playing on a pitch that's spinning right from ball one, can you still play in that fashion? I doubt it. I think you'd have to mix aggression um, with defence. So, you know, England's approach is going to be always be on the offensive. That's Brendan McCullough's approach. It's going to work sometimes. It's going to fail another times. But the tests are going to really come when England have to play away from home. At home, we've always known that England have been strong. Whether they've had a weak team or not, the record at home hasn't been too bad. But 
away from home when they go to Australia, when they go to India, when they go to South Africa, I think, and Pakistan, I think they're going to be severely tested. Now, whether this new approach can work, we'll find out. Just going back then to the New Zealand series, uh, England won 3 0, five wickets, five wickets, and seven wickets, but the games could have gone easily gone the other way. Yeah, I mean, New Zealand had their chances, but I think England played New Zealand at the right time, really. Um, really, they've come, off, come off the back of not playing a lot of cricket. Um, they had some injuries to key players, um, which meant that they couldn't put the best team on the park. That's not taking anything away from England's performances in terms of um, how they perform in any of those matches. But I think New Zealand arrived here really half-bit. Um, as you know, these days, not many warm-up matches before you go into uh, a test series. So if you go into a test match, you start off badly. Uh, you're trying to play catch-up in the Test Series. There's no matches in between. England caught New Zealand at the right time. Um, New Zealand are not a bad team, so the win against New Zealand is a fantastic one to beat them 3-0. But at the same time, I think New Zealand would know that they can play a lot better cricket than they played in this series. Yes, it was really the Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell show for New Zealand and with Trent Bolt propping up the bowling. Yes, I mean, Wagner only played what in the last Test match, so... You know, Wagner is normally um, the front man um, for, for New Zealand in their bowling attack. You know, also they had the injury to, to Jameson as well, who's, you know, who's a key player um, in their lineup, which um, the captain also missed um, test matches as well. So, you know, they were depleted. And also the likes of Devin Conway didn't have the same form that he had, um, say, a year ago when they were here. Um, good to see Daryl Mitchell really coming in to his own, really, because, I mean, he was the standout batsman um, in the New Zealand setup, no question about that. And he looked to be in the same sort of form that Johnny Bairstow and Joe Root's in, that every time he bats, he's, he's expecting to score runs. So you know, New Zealand will know that, you know, they've got areas to work on, but they will play a lot better in the future. And what are, what are your thoughts on the England bowling with Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad coming back? Two players you thought should have gone to the West Indies. Yes, listen, I thought one of them should have gone to the West Indies. Um, you know, both of them, both of them records are not particularly great in the West Indies, so I had no difficulty in just taking one. Um, I thought Mahmood um, did pretty well in the West Indies. Um, you know, he he was a, he was a bit of a fine. He did he did pretty well. Unfortunately, he's injured, so he can't take his way in the team. I did always I did say to you that. You know, I didn't feel Chris Walks should have gone because as good a place Chris Walks is for England, his record in the West Indies is pretty awful. And really, that player should have gone to someone like Anderson or abroad. I had no doubt that Anderson Broad would be brought back to be to play in England because in England conditions, they are the best that England have got. So you've got to keep them available. Anderson, Anderson is still hungry. You know, he may be late 30s, but his fitness is there. He doesn't get injured that often. He still bowls lots, lots of overs. And in English conditions, you know, he's going to be a real test. I think England's bowling still needs to have a, a cutting edge. In England, it may be okay, but, you know, when you get overseas, they're certainly going to need Mark Wood and, if, if possible, Joe for Archer to really give that team a bit of a cutting edge. And on the Joe for Archer, do you think there's still a chance that he could be back firing for England? Well, Joe obviously has had um, a pretty rough time over the last year. First of all, the injuries to his elbows and and the uh, operations, and then obviously trying to get back to full fitness 
sustained a stress fracture the back. Now, I believe that he can recover from both of those. He's not the first player to have got a stress fracture. Mark Wood has a stress fracture, I understand. So he has to come back from that as well. Um, I'm sure that they will, you know, just think back to someone like Dennis Lilly, you know, who was a tear fast bowler. He had a stress fracture at the back, came back and became an even better bowler. He was a much better bowler when he came back the rest of his career than at the start. He was a bit of a firebrand. So I believe those guys, if given um, the right sort of support and enough time to get themselves fully fit, can come back and make a meaningful contribution to the team. And what an addition it will be. Certainly, they'll add a new dimension to the side. Have you been impressed with um, Matt Potts, the, the Durham Durham bowler? Potts, yes, in, in English conditions. Again, you've got to see him overseas on flat wickets um, against very good batsmen um, to really make um, something of that. In English conditions, he really has done well. Um, similarly to, to, to when Robinson came in, you know, Robinson did a good job here in England, but Potts now got his opportunity and he's taken it. Let's see how he goes when he goes overseas. And the spin bowling front, Jack Leach got 10 wickets in the third test against New Zealand. Well, Leach has been the preferred spinner um, for a long time. Um, you, with Jack Leach, you know what you're going to get. You know, he would also tell you that he's not the best left arm spinner in the world, but England believe at the moment in time that he's the player, if there's going to be a spin option, that he's the player they're going to use. And, you know, it's good for him that he got those 10 wickets because he's been on a lot of pressure and a lot of scrutiny now for the last year or two. So for him to perform well and have a mark in the, in the Test Series, I think is very good for him and good for the team. Now, what the team really hopes is that going forward, that he can consistently uh, put in those sort of performances. And there's talk of Moeen Ali coming back for the England tour of Pakistan in December. A good addition. I mean, you know, if you've got someone like Moeen Ali who can contribute both with bat and ball, um, it gives you another bowling option. I know Joe Root has done a bit of bowling, but you wouldn't really call Joe Root a frontline bowler, even though he has bowled pretty well and taken crucial wickets. To have someone like Moeen Ali, you know, who can bat in the late middle order, and also bowl, and particularly, you know, if if the wicket turns and, and he can bowl it um, in tandem with Leach, you know, it gives England a, a little bit more um, potency in their spin bowling attack. So the fact that he becomes available, I think, is a plus for England. And on the on the batting front, uh, moving Ollie Pope up to number three, got a century in the second test at Trent Bridge. Is he a is he a natural number three? It's difficult to say. Listen, he got the opportunity to bat number three and he made a big hundred. Now, what he has to do now is to consolidate that position and get regular scores. Um, also, you know, when he goes away, you know, he's going to be judged on the performances overseas. Now, before the series started, you may remember that all the press and all the pundits were calling for the head of um, Polly Port, Johnny Bairstow and Zach Crawley before the series started. Um, suddenly, Port gets a big hundred. Bairstow gets a hundred. And you're not hearing any more talk about Port or, or Besto. But given the chance of number three, you know, he's he's done pretty well. He now has to continue. And you've mentioned um, Alex Lees. Uh, one player that's uh, been the focus of attention has been Zach Crawley as the England opener. Do you think he should be given an extended run? I think Zach, I think Zach Crawley's batting out of position. Um, 
I think it's because England um, short of an opener, and if they wanted to try somebody apart from one of the regular openers, you know, there's no Burns, there's no Sibley, so they figure that Crawley is probably good enough to be in the side. So let's give him an opportunity to open. I, I don't believe he's a natural opener. Um, I think he's he's got good good talent, good ability, but you know I think his um, best time will come for England when he's batting in the middle order. It is probably not possible at this moment in time because the middle order looks um, fairly settled, and there's a lot of competition for that position. So I'm sure that he'd be trying to make a a fist of opening the batting at this moment in time. But his better days are to come, I think, as a middle order batsman. And just changing to the white ball and again talking about a Middlesex player, um, Owen Morgan, the England uh, white ball captain, has resigned. Was it the right time for Owen to, to stand down? Absolutely. I, I think Owen Morgan has done a tremendous job um, for England, both as captain and as player. But, you know, if you see his form and the way he's been getting out over the last year, you know, it, you really saw the writing on the wall. I mean, I could see for some time that, you know, his game has deteriorated and, you know, he's done a lot. You know, there comes a time when really you want to do it, but you just physically or mentally can't do it. I I think he's reached the point now where um, he's made the right decision to go at the right time. England's white ball cricket is still in a good space. He has been one of the main reasons for that. He's led the team through some tough times and into some very good times. So he can really leave now with his head held high. I think he's made the right decision and um, it gives the opportunity for someone to come in, take up the reins um, and see whether they can improve the team, which is already a very good team. And Butler, the right choice. He's going to have a lot to do being the wicketkeeper, batting number four in ODIs, opening in the T20s and keeping wicket. Yeah, he can do the job. I mean, if you look in the past, I mean, Downey did it for a long, long time at not just white ball cricket, but, you know, he was test match captain as well. So it shows that it can be done. I I think it will give Butler um, a new leash of life um, if he needs one, because obviously as a white ball cricketer, he's one of the best that England have got, if not the best at this moment in time. So I think the, the, the responsibility of captaincy, I think, will help him. The question is going to be really whether he is able to um, not just keep his performances going, but whether he can motivate the team and the players um, to do even better. So we, you know, we'll judge him on his um, his ability as captain um, as time unfolds. And the white ball game now moves uh, to playing against South Africa. We've got T20s and um, ODIs against them, and then the Test cricket begins. At Lords on the seventeenth of August. Um, what are you expecting uh, from South Africa? I'm expecting a very, very stiff um, series. I think South Africa have improved um, over the last year. Again, I saw them in the Caribbean, and I saw some very good signs um, from their players. I think fully fit, they've got a, a very good ball and attack, particularly pace attack. Um, so we will see how the English batsmen stand up um, against that attack. Um, I expect that South Africa are going to be very, very competitive um, throughout the summer. The only drawback, as I said, normally with touring sides these days is that they just don't get enough time to acclimatise and get used to the conditions before the real games start. That's the problem that South Africa 
will have to overcome. If they can overcome that, I think England is going to be in for a, a very, very tough summer. And personally, you're over now. This is the first time I think I've spoken to you on Zoom in the UK, and you, you've got your own uh, tour where you're going talking about um, di- important diversity issues. How, how's that been going? Uh, going well. I mean, I've been very busy since I've been here. Yes, I've been doing the diversity and inclusivity, um, equality and equity um, talks. As you know, I've been doing a lot of commentary for the BBC on the county championship, um, done some events for the MCC, got something to do for Middlesex. Um, I'm having my um, bat launch on the 18th of July um, at Lords, uh, my training bats. Uh, it's going to be a very full summer. Um, moving around the country I've got a lot of things to do so I'm really enjoying it I haven't been able to do it for a, a number of years now I have the opportunity obviously COVID is a lot um, less than the last two years when we had total lockdown so I'm really enjoying the summer and looking to see some good cricket what, What's your bat launch on the 18th of July? Well I mean the, the bat launch I mean I designed many years ago uh, three cricket training bats and really designed for improving the the quality of batsmanship. Um, they were designed really after my playing career. Um, first one was really based on a technical issue that I had within my game, which bothered me for all those years. Um, I designed that bat, trialed it, um, found that it worked well. Others used it. It went well. I thought the opposite had to be true for players who also had problems with the ball leaving them. So I designed the bat for that as well. At the time, I was working with Bob Warmer for the ICC. Bob Warmer was head of uh, the High Performance Program. I was working with Bob as one of the coaches, particularly my area was Europe. So I was working in in Holland and Denmark, France, Italy, etc., working with the national teams. Discussed it with Bob, who suggested that what I should do is to go and get the bats scientifically tested. So I did that. Um, they went to Loughborough University. Um, were scientifically tested for two years using the England Academy team at Loughborough. They did a thesis um, in 2004, which confirmed that the, the bats did exactly what they said they were supposed to do. and It improved all the players significantly. And one further thing about the bats that I hadn't considered, which was in the research and in the thesis, was that in actual fact, um, the bats actually improved the accuracy of the bowlers. So that was something to me, that I was not really um, expecting because I was always looking at it from a batting perspective. But it showed that these bats um, certainly um, can improve the players. Now, as you know, after that, I went to Barbados as director of sport, um, a very challenging position as director of sport, particularly where you're now starting a sports program from the beginning. And director of sports was not the director of cricket. It was a director of all sports. So it meant that I had to develop um, over 14 sports, um, develop the stadia, develop coachings, coaches, etc. So because of that busy, busy job, I was unable to really focus on, on doing anything um, with these bats. So it's only really coming towards the end of my um, time at university, which I retired three years ago. This month will be three years ago that I retired. Or... When I say retired, um, when you reach a certain age, you have to retire. It's not a case of of you deciding, look, I'm going to retire. You reach a certain age and you have to go. So just before that time came, 
I decided that there were two projects that I had really um, that I started years ago that needed to be completed. One was my um, soccer coaching manual, which I'd started before, and then the training bats. So what I decided to do was to get these training bats out into the market. So we've had them properly made um, in terms of size, weight, et cetera, et cetera. And they're now ready to go to market. That's going to happen on next Monday, the 18th of um, July at Lourdes. They're going to be launched at Lourdes. Well, the best of luck with that. Uh, sounds very interesting. And uh, hopefully catch up with you during the summer in person and uh, be back on the Paddock and Pavilion in September when we can talk about the uh, exciting series against the South Africans um, and find out whether uh, the chase is on again uh, in the Test cricket for England. Yes, I mean, look forward to that, Stephen. I'm sure we'll catch up um, during the summer. And yes, we, we will discuss at the end of the summer whether the baseball is still baseball. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.